Yaorana Aloha, I'm Tale Anderson. Welcome to Champions of the Pacific, celebrating the changemakers in Pacific Island sport. Talofa Lava, I'm Vinnie Wiley. Rugby's eligibility rules are put under the spotlight, and we speak to a Samoan rugby pioneer. And I catch up with a former discus star looking to snatch records in a new sport. Did you know that nine players from last year's All Blacks and Wallabies rugby teams were born in the Pacific Islands? Players with a dual or even multiple heritage is nothing new in international rugby, but being able to honour all sides of that heritage is not getting any easier. Manu Samoa international Tim Nanai Williams became the poster boy for the Olympic loophole when the former New Zealand Seven star switched his allegiance back in 2015. He joins us alongside former Wallabies number no. 8 and Tongan coach Totoi Kefu to discuss rugby eligibility. Tim, how big a deal was it to switch countries? It was a bit of an unknown thing at the time with it going to seven, so they didn't really know the, the way how they were going to go about things. So all I got told was just to play sevens. We got told one one tournament will be all right, and then ended up being four. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a tough one because throughout two years I was literally just in limbo, really, so not knowing if I would have to play five or six or a whole year seven. So I ended up just playing like seven tournaments, really, just to make sure that they didn't come back and say, oh, you're going to have to do six tournaments. I just played as much as I could just to make sure that I could make the change. The decision was easy, but the whole process was was quite tough for like two years just because of the unknown position that I was in. So because no one, I couldn't ask anyone how to do it. I was in limbo and I was just every month just going with um, with the sevens tournament and also coming back to Super Rugby as well too. So, yeah, it was a tough time. Because it's one thing for you as a player to want to make that switch and to represent your heritage, but obviously to get your club side or, in this case, Super Rugby, the Chiefs yeah. on board was, I imagine, a big deal. They were the first ones I sat down with once I made the decision with my family that I wanted to make uh, to play for Samoa and then... The next step was going to the Chiefs to the head, um, to I think it was Dave Rennie at the time and Wayne Smith and, and also Andrew Strawbridge and just sat down with them and just told them told them the truth that that was my plan for the next couple of years to, to go to a World Cup and, and represent Samoa and, and they were really supportive of that. They were really encouraging at the same time. So I was lucky in the sense where my club was really supportive. It's not every day you get a, a supporting cast behind you to push you to go and um, to, to hit I guess your dreams and especially playing at the World Cup and you know it's, it's, it's the pinnacle of, um, of every sport really and you want to test yourself against the best. What did it mean for for you and your family to play for Samoa? I think just for my parents and my grandparents um, those were the people I wanted to represent they're the ones that made the effort to come over and to New Zealand and, and give us a better life and things like that so it was just a, a nice way for me to to represent my roots. Like I said, I, I grew up in a traditional uh, household. When I went back and, you know, it was just everything that I could imagine about going back and playing for Manusau Moor was just really, um, it's hard to explain. It's one of those things where you're just really proud and, and it made all the, the two years to make the decision, playing all those sevens more worth it once I once I got there. So this made everything for me. And uh, Tosa, you were born in Tonga and you played for Australia. Uh, both your father and brother represented the Kalitahi. What does uh, your Tongan heritage mean to you? Oh, look, it means a lot. Um, like Tim said, our father uh, had an opportunity to come overseas and 
and want, wanted to give us all a better life. Um, and and um, representing Tonga for my brother when he played uh, was an opportunity to represent the family. And that meant a lot to him, not only him, but to myself as well, to represent Kale Tahi as a coach is an opportunity to represent the family. Tim, you were, I, I guess, that first person that sort of from that Olympic rule, did Did other players start to come to you saying, I want to do what you did? And were you able to help them? Because I guess we haven't seen the influx of people like yourself that maybe we thought we would, you know, five, six, seven years ago. Yeah, I had a few boys hit me up after finding out I may, was making the transition. But I think it came back to their clubs. Uh, that was the saddest thing. As much as you wanted to, to make the transition, uh, the clubs have made a big amount of money to keep you at your club. And um, if you go to sevens, it's a big risk. You get injured and then you're not available for the 15 side. So some of the boys that I spoke to at the time, it was just all about that, really just their club. Tautai, uh, Tonga had some success capturing players, you know, via their Olympic loophole. Uh, but many of those kind of bigger players, big names alluded you is the system fair and do you believe change is possible? I've always believed that a three-year stand-down is, is fair, but I think the extra red tape and a loophole in terms of playing sevens rugby, I think is probably a bit too much. If we're talking about homecoming players, these are players who have played for Tonga in the past, like under-20s and, and, and maybe underage schoolboys. So... Um, those players like Melikai Fekatoa, Charles Puitao, Sileki Timani, I mean, those type of players, um, uh, they're at the end of their careers and they're playing for a country that they've represented before. So World Rugby have always claimed that they're worried about the integrity of the game. But, I mean, if you watch a Japanese team play, everyone in the crowd's not really worried about where the players come from, do they? In terms of a spectacle to world rugby, I think the fans deserve to see the best players and, and want to see a really competitive product. We certainly deserve, I think, a Polynesian country in the finals there somewhere, whether it's Tonga, Samoa or Fiji. If they get those players back, that's the number one way I think we can improve to get to that level is, is get the recruitment back, get access to those really top-line players. The three-year standout, like Kev said, would be awesome because then you've got the bigger boys as well too that can't do the sevens as well. So how are they meant to have that transition where the only rule comes in with the sevens? So the standout rule would be awesome. So the fans will definitely win. Yes, it would be cool to see uh, all players of all shapes and sizes uh, be able to have a chance to represent their heritage. I know there's some very good Pacific Island props that used to play for the All Blacks that uh, would be pretty handy in a Samoan or, or Tongan jersey as well. The World Rugby Chair, Sir Bill Beaumont, he, he pledged to review rugby's eligibility rules as part of his uh, bid for a second term in office. Uh, almost a year later, though, it's still very much a case of watch this space. One man who did have the privilege to play international rugby for two countries is Pat Lamb. The former school teacher played 34 tests for Manu Samoa in the 1990s and also turned out for the All Blacks in a non-test game in Sydney. Now in charge of English Premiership leaders at Bristol, Lamb works with some of the best Pacific Island talent in world rugby, including Fiji-born England star Nathan Hughes and former All Black Charles Piotto, who is hoping to switch his international allegiance to Tonga. A proud New Zealand Samoan, Lamb says honouring all sides of his heritage wasn't always easy growing up in Auckland. It was a great childhood, but there was confusion. Confusion with the New Zealand way and um, certainly the Samoan way. Um, so we were certainly brought up with the Samoan way back home and the culture, a lot of family, a lot of cousins, and a lot of parties. 
um, always with the extended family, a lot of cousins, um, obviously with the lambs. My grandfather was one of 23, so there's plenty of them. But certainly, yeah, at school with the New Zealand way. So, uh, but, all, but absolutely proud to be a Kiwi, but absolutely proud to be a Samoan as well. So, But really, through that time, it was, I was just remember wanting to play outside the whole time. School was about mates, was about sport. It helped my self-esteem and who I was by you know, being good at sport because suddenly you, know, you realise you're different, you realise that you're bigger than some of the other kids, but uh, sport was the one that everyone says, oh, man, you're good, can I be on my team and make you feel special? And we take it back to 1991, Pat, which was your test debut, and, I mean, of all the test matches that you could have made your debut in, I mean, one of the most iconic of all time, especially for Manu Samoa, that infamous match against Wales at the 91 World Cup. I mean, is that crazy to think about, that it was 30 years ago? Yeah, it's amazing. I, um, I I still get asked, you know, Pat, what was your highlight of your career? And it's certainly Samoa 91, the World Cup, because it's what it did for Samoa people. We've got to remember back in the 90s, it wasn't, you know, um, we were always proud to be Samoans, but it wasn't, they have a great reputation, Pacific Islanders, and, you know, they were seen as, as the people who work in the factories and so forth. And, you know, but I remember after that, it's what it did for the people, the pride it had for some, not only Samoans, but all Pacific Islanders around the world was huge. It put us on the rugby map. It opened up the avenue for the first test match against the All Blacks, against Australia. You know, before it was generally just Wales. But um, we got invita- invitations and everything. And I remember as a school teacher coming back and teaching in Auckland, a lot of the kids were all about being All Blacks. But the Samoan boys started to change. They said, oh, Mr Lamb, I want to be a money Samoan player. And that was special. That's why it was a massive highlight, because it transcended just a game. It was more than that. And, you know, people today, even when I go to Wales, still people talk about it, you know. Was coaching something, Pat, that always appealed to you? Obviously, you had that teaching background, and when you were playing, were you thinking, you know, what is the coach doing? Why is he doing it? Or is it something that just sort of fell into your lap? You know, the amateur day, it was, you know, it was about being a school teacher, um, and it's probably more about the passion of being a school teacher. Why do I want to be a school teacher? Because I love goal setting. I was a huge fan of goal setting and having a plan and working a way to achieve it. And certainly with teaching, it's effectively what you're doing. Here's the goal at the end of the year. You need to get, you know, learn all the different things. Here's the plan. And, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to help you get there, but you got to do the work. And, but I'll certainly help guide you. And as it turned out with rugby, it was a lot of similarities because yeah, most of the teams, right from St. Peter's when I was captain and then national teams captain, and and then so I was involved in leadership roles, which meant you got a good insight into game plan, into culture, into leadership. And again, I saw coaching as exactly the same as school teaching. It's just that you had a subject that I was a lot more passionate about I believe that a sports team, and certainly even like a sports team I have at the moment, the Bears, we are an example of how the world can exist. We've got players from every, all sorts of different cultures, uh, countries. We have players from different backgrounds. Some have come up from very wealthy backgrounds. Some have come from very poor backgrounds. Some have been to just state schools. Some have been to real posh private schools. But you would never know. Where they're wearing the uniform and they're in there, you wouldn't know. We all get on. Certainly working out on the field for that Bristol team. Uh, they play early morning here in New Zealand and, uh, yeah, so many stars, so great to watch. Uh, and, uh, yeah, a very impressive career both on the field and in the coaching box for, uh, for Pat Lamb.
former New Zealand discus star Siosi Tina Hakiai is looking to snatch records in a new sport. The 27-year-old is a five-time New Zealand women's discus champion and placed fourth at the last two Commonwealth Games. But after entering the Auckland Strongman Series, the New Zealand-born Tongan told me she became hooked on a new sporting challenge. I wanted to stay back after school and hang with my friends, but the only way I could do that with my parents is if I had training for a sport. And so one day my dad was walking up and I could see him coming through the school gate and so I just ran to a whole bunch of um, kids training for Auckland Champs and then I just jumped in and the rest was history. And so from there you were the five-time national discus champion, you represented New Zealand at the Commonwealth Games and you even beat Beatrice Whanwina's under 20 record. How did you transition from discus into lifting? Um, because I've been doing track and field for quite a long time, since I was uh, 12, started travelling the world at 14. It just got to a point where my love for the sport started fading away and decided to take up strongman because I knew I was strong but I didn't know how strong. And so my first comp, I got the New Zealand record that was in 2019 and that was 237 kgs. Um, and then the end of last year, I did lift uh, 270, which was an Oceania and a New Zealand record. And yeah, I just fell in love with the sport. So what's the preparation like for that and, you know, to, to try and lift that kind of heavy weight? Um, a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of deadlifting, a lot of bench, a lot of squatting and a lot of pressure on the body. And what's it been like for your parents? Um, I can imagine, especially for a lot of Pacific families, if you're good at something, you stick to it. You're a five-time national champion. What were their reaction when you told them, you know, look, I'm taking lifting seriously? Um, so, first of all, I didn't tell them. <laughs> um, they found out through a video on Facebook. <laughs> and my, at first, my parents weren't too happy because... I've been doing athletics for such a long time and me doing well in athletics isn't just for myself as well, it's for my parents and, and, and my family and I think for them it, it kind of like took a toll on them but then when they saw the potential I had in lifting, they're a lot more supportive now. Mum's always checking up if my back is alright or if I need extra massages and dad is just making sure that I'm not overdoing it and I'm, and I'm not trying to smash it so hard where I get where in the long terms it's going to affect me. But yeah, right now they're supportive. And have you seen quite a shift with more Pacific Islanders maybe getting involved with the sport over the last few years or so? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, I see a, a lot of Islanders getting into lifting and, and, and so they should be because it's in their nature. They're naturally strong. Um, that's what we're good at. But I also love seeing females you know, throwing those irons around um, in the gym and not being afraid to, to go in there and, and lift, not just go on the cardio machine. And what do you like about lifting? I like that I can inspire people to, especially girls, to give it a go. And um, honestly, just showing guys that us girls can do what they can do, or sometimes even better. Siosi Tina wants to represent Tonga and Discus at next year's Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. And she's also keen to represent New Zealand in lifting, so uh, a busy schedule coming up.
If you want to hear more from Champions of the Pacific, like Seal Setina, you can find us online at rnz.co.nz and click on the Pacific tab. Or we broadcast into the region on RNZ Pacific and RNZ National. Or you can download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Until then, ni samore. Tofa soifua. Tofa soifua.